0: Hello, and welcome to Code Patrol, the podcast that sees the cybersecurity world through code-colored glasses. I am thrilled to be joined by our audio engineer, Angel Duan. Hi, Angel. How's life in the frigid, though sunny Bay Area? Great. Can't complain. Awesome. Well, we are so pleased today uh, to let you know that our guest is Jeff Williams, co-founder and CTO of Contrast Security. He is here to talk about something that's been in the news for good reason to talk about the ramifications of M2218, the memo put out by the uh, OMB, that's the Federal Office of Management and Budget, in September. The memo set out clear expectations for federal agency when it comes to uh, using software that's potentially hiding buggy libraries or other threats. Federal agencies uh, can only use software from software producers that can attest to complying with secure software development practices, as described in NIST guidance. Jeff's here to talk about exactly how big a deal this is, what's entailed, and who will be affected. Jeff, thanks for dropping by. Welcome to Code Patrol. Thanks, Lisa. You're welcome. First question for you about M-2218. Why now? what were the precipitating events? Are we talking like supply chain attacks, Log4J, SolarWinds?
1: Yeah, this is all coming out of, you know, ultimately it was attacks like Log4Shell and SolarWinds and other supply chain attacks. And that those events prompted the executive order on cybersecurity and the that executive order forced NIST and CISA to put out new standards and OMB and so this is just you know part of turning that crank on the executive order which which was designed to create better visibility into you know what are companies doing to make sure that their code is secure Mm -hmm. what's the importance of this
0: memo in particular I mean the OMB issues memos what's so big a
1: deal about this one you mean not everybody's read it? I mean, what's more fascinating than a OMB <laughs> memo on cybersecurity? Uh, look, this is pretty dry. Recap. Stuff. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah. I, but I've read it.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh it is actually really pretty stunning when you pull back the covers on what's going on here. Is the you know the government has never interfered in the software market like this? Mostly never. they just let companies you know build whatever software they want put whatever apps out there they want. And like, hey, we're the government, we'll buy it. Consumers can buy it. It's fine. But they're actually changing the game now. And software producers should sit up and take notice. Because the government is now requiring a dramatically different level of transparency into what companies are doing to secure the code that they're producing. And we're talking about code that matters to everybody, right? This is the code that protects your finances and your your elections and your healthcare and your uh military defense and everything that matters in your life. And I, I think we have a right to know about the security of that code. And so this is, I think the government's doing the right thing here is making that stuff transparent will change the software market.
0: Well I'm really glad that you brought up like this is going to change kind of everything because um one of the first questions I think that some people have is uh, who is this going to affect? I mean, of course, federal agencies and uh, the software producers that sell to them. But can we talk a little yeah. bit about how wide the ecosystem is that's going to be affected by this? Um, I know yeah. it's going to be like Microsoft because they their, their software is in use by federal agencies, right?
1: Yeah, for sure. And the, there's a massive ripple effect to the point where I, I don't think any software is going to go unaffected by this. Because, you know, Microsoft has vendors that they buy software from. And so now that's all included. Like there's this huge web of dependencies. We call it the software supply chain. And, you know, all of this software gets dragged into it pretty quickly. And, you know, the the, the U.S. government is a huge consumer of software. So they buy a lot of different kinds of things. They also consume software as a service. So like all of those things are included. And, you know, sort of very quickly we get dragged into most companies needing to be transparent about the things that they do to secure their code.
0: Okay, well, um, let's talk about the elements of it. they the big things that uh, everybody is talking about are the self-attestation letters. Yeah. Um, that letter isn't, and, and of course SBOMs, software bills of materials um but uh, the self attestation at the self attestation letters uh they're not expected out until 2023 um so what are what are people supposed to do if you're selling to the government um how do you yeah. prepare your internal teams to uh, respond to those requests
1: well first of all you know it's almost halloween and 2023 isn't really very far away but secondly the the letter of attestation that's going to come out in 2023 is just a like a format, like a sample. Mm-hmm. But you could be creating these attestations today. It's pretty easy. There's a list of requirements and you have to produce them. Whether or not OMB produces like a format for it, you're still on the hook to inventory your software and start creating these attestation letters within Two hundred seventy days, so it's you know you've got a few quarters before you've got to do this for everything, and uh, it's critical software in two hundred seventy days, and then all software is in three hundred sixty-five days. So it's like it's you you've got six months to really get a hold of this.
0: Okay, well, which is uh, the bigger game changer here, the S bombs or the attestations?
1: Well, uh, I know everybody's working on SBOMs right now, uh, there are requirements to put together SBOMs for all your systems. If you're a government agency, you have to have SBOMs for all your systems in a very short order. But I think that these self-attestation letters are going to be the more significant change to the software market. SBOMs are nice. They'll tell you what your dependencies are. They might alert you to some vulnerabilities. And I think they're doing an interesting job of Getting software producers all the way through the supply chain to clean up their act, but these attestation letters are, I think, a little more comprehensive. That you have to attest that you're doing things in your software development process to prevent vulnerabilities. So you know it's it's all the things that are in the SSDF, the Software uh, Secure Software Development Framework that NIST put out. And so, you know, you you have to document the ways that you're building software. How are you testing it? How are you training developers? How are you ensuring that there's no vulnerabilities? All the kinds of things that you'd expect to do in a secure software development process. Now you need to be public about it. Mm. And so companies that aren't, you know, like if you're a company and you're making software and you're not proud enough of the way that you're building software to be open and transparent about it, then you're gonna to have to make some changes in the next six months, uh, mm-hmm. potentially big changes. You're not gonna be able to get away with having a backlog of vulnerabilities sitting around. You're not gonna be able to get away with not doing uh, application security testing. Mm-hmm. You know, you're not gonna be able to get away with not having runtime protection in place for your apps and, and so on. So you know, organizations are gonna to have to change how they build software forever. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, I was reading an article about some of the uh, trepidation that developers are feeling about that. Um, For one thing, they fear that the transparency is going to make it easier for hackers to attack, the thinking being uh, better to hide that information away. And as we all know, that's known as um, security
1: through obscurity. Your thoughts on that? that? Yeah, that's exactly what I would call that, is having information about how the software was developed doesn't help an attacker. It doesn't help them to know that the developers were trained in security. It doesn't help them to know that the developers followed this life cycle or that life cycle. Uh, It doesn't help them to know what tools were used on that code. Hackers can attack your applications anyway. They don't need any of that stuff. Um, SBOMs don't help attackers because attackers can just look at the software and know what libraries are part of it. So... This idea that keeping information about how security was done secret doesn't help the the hackers, but keeping it secret definitely helps the attackers because it allows this ecosystem to let vulnerabilities fester Mm
0: -hmm. and not
1: get fixed. And so by being transparent, it'll raise the bar for everyone and make it much harder for attackers
0: well, let's talk a little bit about um, another fear I've heard about, and and I know that that, that you think self attestation letters are the bigger deal here, yeah. but um, mm-hmm. when, when when I read about you know some of the worry that's out there, it sounds more like S bombs are getting more of the attention and more of the worry, and one of the other things that uh, developers have raised is um, that they're leery about. Uh, the fact that building an s-bomb could extend software delivery times um I mean how hard is it to build an s-bomb or how not hard is it
1: yeah building an s-bomb is really trivial it's a very easy step to add to your software development pipeline it runs very quickly typically it's a few seconds to generate an s-bomb for your application or your uh, your software and uh it's it's just not complicated Uh, so developers shouldn't be afraid of uh that building an s-bomb messing up their process Mm -hmm. now what a lot of organizations struggle with is like what will you do with those s-bombs like where Mm -hmm. do they go and you know how do you manage them Mm -hmm. that's something that uh, is still really ahead of the curve uh lots of organizations are going to be wrestling with that over the course of the next year
0: and we also have a couple of different formats uh In in getting to a point, it's like, we don't have one uh, consistent format, one agreed upon format, and they are unwieldy. And um, there's really no clearinghouse for them at this point. I
1: mean, how are people going to consume these things and use them? Yeah, there are a couple of formats. I think SPDX and Cyclone DX, also called CDX, are the two big ones. Uh, full disclosure, I'm on the Cyclone DX Board of Advisors. So mm-hmm. I'm partial to that. But I think what you'll see is SPDX is used more for hardware systems like Internet of Things and, and so on. Okay. And Cyclone DX is used more for software projects. So I would mm-hmm. encourage you to, to look at Cyclone DX as your standard if you're looking at software security. And they're not really unwieldy. I mean, they're they're either XML or JSON documents in a specific Mm -hmm. format. They're not terrifically hard to parse and and do things with, but what we don't really have are centralized collection systems. Mm
0: -hmm. And
1: I think it's important to understand that SBOM is really a communications format. If you're thinking about it as a document, you're thinking about it wrong. SPDX and Cyclone DX are for communications between things like build pipelines and centralized repos that that store the information that's in an SBOM. But you really need it in a database because what you want to be able to do is, you know, new vulnerability comes out. You want to be able to very quickly look it up and say, hey, where do I have this library that has this problem, Mm -hmm. this version? And what system is it running on? And what uh, technologies are in that platform? And and so on, because you want to be able to very quickly narrow down the list of where you have to go fix things. And so you, you need a database. You want it to alert you. If there's a new vulnerability that comes out, you want it to you know, compare it against your inventory and say like, oh, you need to go check this app, this app, this app. Here's the points of contact for those apps. And here's what you need to do to fix. Uh, there, is an, there is an OWASP project called uh, uh, OWASP Dependency. Oh my God, I'm forgetting the name of it. <laughs> you're Mr. OWASP, but you're not allowed to forget that name. It's called dependency track, uh, OWASP dependency track. And basically its purpose in life is to consume S-bombs and allow you to manage them for a whole organization. Mm -hmm. More thoughts? No, okay.
0: (laughs) Okay, so, um, well, uh, anything else to say about the attestation letters? any advice for people or anything else you want to
1: add? I think it's important to get started now. Many mm-hmm. software producers are going to struggle to create an attestation that they're proud of because it asks them specific questions about, you know, what are you doing for software security? And are you complying with all the parts of the SSDF? And many organizations are not going to be able to answer that in the affirmative. So I think it's important to, you know, try it out. Go go through the requirements and make yourself an attestation for a few of your projects and look and see where you have gaps. And, you know, probably you're going to have to put, put an initiative in place to get in front of it before next year, because uh, it's going to come up really fast. And some of the things that are you're supposed to have been doing uh, are going to be hard. But look, if you're great at software security and you're, you've got a great program in place, this should not cause you any fear at all. You should be absolutely ready. All you have to do is write down what you're doing Mm -hmm. and attest to that, and you're done. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And you know wherever you speak,
0: because contrast, of course, is um, subject to the same uh, requirements, the new requirements. Yeah. Um, But we're doing okay.
1: Well, you know, as a software security tool provider, we are. Very, we're extremely careful about how we secure our systems. We get audited multiple times every single week because we've got so many large companies that are using our platform. And so we have an extensive security program in place. And for us, doing these attestations is not a big deal. We're already doing all the practices so we can Mm -hmm. make an attestation and make it public uh, easily for us. So a lot of software producers are are kind of old hands at... uh kind of these uh attestations like federal requirements i i mean i think like i said i think a lot of software producers are going to struggle with okay. meeting okay. these requirements and being able to attest to them and you know you probably want to run it past legal to make sure that you're not attesting to something that you're not doing because uh, that could potentially be pretty harmful excellent idea
0: All right. Well, Jeff, I know you got to run to another call. You're like a CTO and for some reason you have better things to do than talk to us all day. Um, But it's been a real pleasure to have you on. I really appreciate you coming on to chat. So thank you for that. And listeners, thank you so much for tuning in. We will uh, see you again next time or hear you or no, we're not going to hear you. You're going to hear us next time at Code Patrol. Thanks for listening.
1: Thanks, Lisa.